the Disgruntled Life Coach Podcast, Episode 4. The Disgruntled Life Coach Podcast. It won't make your love life better. It won't make you more successful. And it certainly won't even out those garden shear pandemic bangs. But if you listen carefully, you might just end up a better person. And maybe those other things will follow. Or not. Whatever. And now, the Disgruntled Life Coach Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Disgruntled Life Coach Podcast. Before we start, I just want to acknowledge some listeners to this podcast. Two in particular, one from Malkajagiri in India, and one from the cliché area of Paris, France, who have listened to all my podcasts so far. I also want to say hello to listeners from Botswana, Sao Paulo, Brazil, upstate New York and Colorado, for tuning into this podcast. And of course, all of you from Edmonton and Calgary, and everyone from Ontario and Quebec, you're my peeps. Thanks for listening, and I'm humbled. Still fucking disgruntled, but also humbled. In this episode, we're talking about not being in a rush and how to stop this clown car from rolling into the spotlight in the first place. Being in a hurry isn't in and of itself the issue. It's that it makes you selfish. It causes you to make excuses for being late, and sometimes it makes you a dick. Also, please, don't be a dick. We're also uh, going to discuss uh, related issues like your shitty planning, how to fix this. But first, let's go to the disgruntled wheel of quotations. Firstly, according to the OED, rush is a noun that describes a situation in which you have to hurry or move somewhere quickly. It's also a verb that means to cause to go or do something very quickly. Hope you're happy with that dual Definition, drummer man. Holy shit. <coughs> Firstly, Alexander Pope, one of the great English poets and the second most quoted writer in English, according to the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations, like that's some kind of goddamn badge of honor, I don't know, wrote the well-known phrase, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Now, this is very important to this episode, even though I would never call you a fool, you know, to your face on a Monday or you know I absolutely would call you a fool. Also, don't ask me who the most quoted writer is. I don't own the book. If you do, let me know. Or not. I don't care. Secondly, and to really drive home that hell in a handcart message, Brazilian lyricist, novelist, and author of The Alchemist, Hualo Coelho, said, life moves very fast. It rushes from heaven to hell in a matter of seconds. If you've ever drifted your shit brown Chrysler K car into a snowbank because you were too much in a rush to see the black ice, you'll be able to relate to the speed of this. Not sure where heaven fits into this, but really, just work with me here. And finally, on the other side of the coin, Lao Tzu, the ancient Chinese philosopher, writer, and possibly author of the Tao Te Ching, the foundation of Taoism, wrote, Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. This is a stark difference to the negative aspects of rushing already mentioned above, and it's because I've had enough coffee to feel a little bit of a buzz today, so I thought I'd give you something positive. 
But don't get you know, too fucking comfortable because now we're gonna look at the foolish part of your rushing lifestyle. So I gotta be honest with you. Being in a rush is not that big of a problem. Doing things quickly can be smart and efficient, like stuffing clowns into wooden crates and pushing them overboard. But the problem is when you rush around without reason or a plan and it causes you to be late to make excuses, to ask others to do things that you don't want to do, and to act like a dick. Even Aristotle, the pillar of logical thinking, said the action that follows deliberation should be quick, but deliberation should be slow. So let's explore the painful side of being in a rush before returning to Aristotle, quote, uh, to make more sense of your flawed reasoning. So, last time you were late and you were weaving in and out of traffic in your rusted piece of shit Reliant K, you were actually a potential hazard, like more than you usually are, like the IROC intersection incident. So, in your K car, you were insulting people who were, in real life, driving like actual humans, and you made your problem something that they had to pay attention to, like that herpes outbreak on your upper lip. This is just you being both rude and being self-centered see pillar number two and number seven, and you really need to take a step back from this. And also, maybe, dab some abriva on that open wound on your lip. Jesus Christ. And speaking of being a dick, well, we weren't, but we are now. Making comments about individuals in front of you in a lineup at the post office, ice cream stand, or STD clinic is just you being a shitty human being. I don't care how late you are to the test drive for that used Cordoba, Corinthian leather or not, just wait your fucking turn. Telling others that they're taking too long because you have no concept of the actual passage of time or even the depth of your own assholery is not the way to a longer, happier life. But really, it's time to own your assholery. Seriously, pastime. And my last comment. Being lazy at work and passing the buck to your coworkers at the last minute because you were too busy looking up the blue book value of your rusted shitbox car is just poor form. And hint. Your car is worth about the same amount as that prescription for penicillin that you got from the clinic. Ballpark figure. Getting others to do your work because you think you can multitask is, as already mentioned, part of your magnificent multidimensional and slightly delusional worldview. So speaking of this related douchebaggery, is there anything that can be done? Well, as always, you're goddamn right there is. Ask yourself, why do I rush? The first answer, always, is that you're shitty at planning. It's that simple. Why were you driving like a serial killer in traffic when you were late? Bad planning. Why were you insulting the nurse at the free clinic for being so slow? Bad planning. And seriously, this is the easiest thing to fix. If you know how long it takes to get something done, and you know how to you know, use a fucking clock and how a calendar works, we're done. 
If you have to enter items into a calendar app on your phone to make sense of it, do that. If you need to carry around a physical appointment book like it still lasts goddamn century, do that. Whatever you need to do to organize your time, just accept it. I'm not asking you to fly a space shuttle as if you ever could. I'm just saying plan ahead, write it down, follow your own stupid schedule. Another reason why you are such a huge disappointment to others is more complicated, and it comes down to you trying not to be a disappointment. Strange, right? What I mean by that is you're doing too much, or trying to, and you just don't have the capacity. Remember as a kid when you were asked to eat your veggies and you said no? Well, that was just you being a dick before you knew what that was. But as an adult, or old enough to be called one, there is sound reason for saying no, and you should employ that word more until you unscrew your tattered life a bit. If you don't have time to be on that committee, say no. If your weekends are already too full because that's when you glue your fucking car back together, say no to helping out of that charity kissing booth, which you should anyway with that sucking wound on your lip. But still, take on fewer projects that you don't need and build back some semblance of an ordered life. When you get better at that, or if, then add stuff back, but use no a little bit more. Honestly, we, we won't miss you that much anyway. Finally, and this is a big one, let's take on your mythological multitasking abilities. I know you think you can bid on that Cordoba online import data into your poorly organized spreadsheet at work, and set up your appointment at the free clinic all at the same time. But you are living a lie. A landmark study based on research by scholars Rubenstein, Meyer, and Evans, and published in the Journal of Experimental Psychology in 2001, explored multitasking. And it found that only about 2% of the population are what they referred to as super threaders. Those are individuals who are way more efficient at doing more than one task threaded with another. It's safe to say if you're listening to this fucking podcast, you are well outside of that group. Instead, you would be part of the remaining group who were, on average, 40% less efficient at every task they did while trying to multitask. In addition, as a renowned neuroscientist Cynthia Kubu stated, we're really wired to be monotaskers. And then she goes on to say, when we're thinking we're multitasking, most often we really aren't doing two things at once, but instead we're doing individual actions in rapid succession or task switching. So stop this. Do one thing, get it done completely and thoroughly, and go to your next task. You will be much more efficient and maybe you'll even have a bit of spare time to, you know, waste on reruns of Murder, She Wrote, or whatever. It's your life. Okay, we're out of time, so that's it for this episode. As always, I'll leave you with a disgruntled nugget in a second. But first, I want to thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other platforms. And please visit www.disgruntledlifecoach.ca for all my podcasts. Yes, fucking www. Please also follow me on Twitter, at Life Disgruntled. There's a link on my website to that. 
and ignore my link to buy me a coffee because, you know, no one wants to buy me a goddamn coffee. So screw that. Or you could be the first, but I'm not holding my friggin' breath. Just, just saying. Also, if you like what you heard today, tell your friends. If you think it's ridiculous, still tell your friends. I mean, how hard is that? Disgruntled nugget. When you're feeling hopeless, like things really aren't working out, remember, they say it's always darkest before the dawn. Now, actually, that's bullshit because moon phases and reflected light can change light and dark throughout the night. It's more true to say that it's always coldest before the dawn, but still not always true, especially if a cold front moved in or, you know, it rained. What is true is that, you know, there's hope that it will be brighter or something. So yeah, brighter, possibly warmer, but less dark or something before, whenever. I don't know. Again, thanks for listening, and thanks also to Audio Nautics and Partners in Rhyme for music and sound effects. Thanks again to Neatnik for visuals, and thank you for your patience. See you in two weeks, or not, whatever. Whatever.